What's up, friends? And before we hop into the show, let me tell you about WGT. This is such a fun game. My favorite app out there for the past seven years. I'm so happy that we partnered with them. And I want you to play with us. So make sure you go to freewgt.com. It is a golf game app. It is so much fun. There's so many courses, real courses that you can play on there. I absolutely love this game. So why don't you play along with us? Go to freewgt.com and we're actually playing a collective hole this week. We're playing closest to the hole challenge. Course is Pebble Beach hole number two. So go into game modes, select Pebble Beach, go to closest to the hole and do the second hole on that challenge. Take a screenshot, send it to us at DNVR Broncos Twitter. Uh, to make sure to tag us in your screenshot and we will will see who the closest to the hole is. And each week there we choose one winner from the week the the whoever was closest to the hole gets a prize that week we're wrapping up in just a few days this week so make sure you get in on this challenge soon and then also if you submit but let's say you're not the closest to the hole well that enters you in to the grand prize finale that we'll do at the end of the year so and all you have to do to get in on that one is is enter and send us a screenshot at dnvr underscore broncos on twitter so make sure you do that and play this game with us and and how you do it is go to freewgt.com to download the app play the second hole on pebble beach this week send us a screenshot and uh, you're going to love this app. I mean, I'm I'm absolutely addicted to this app. And I'm you know what? I'm going to beat Ryan and Mace this week and I'm going to try to just win this whole thing myself and get myself that prize. So, make sure you join us freewgt.com. All right. Let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host today, Zach Stevens, joined by my good friend, Andrew Mason. Ryan is on assignment today, as we'll call it, working on that very awesome special project, and he'll be back with us later this week. But before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee, and this is the best CBD coffee out there. It helps you with the CBD part. It helps you with the coffee part. It's a perfect combination for your morning coffee, as Ryan would have, for your midday coffee, as Mace may have, and for the evening coffee, as I may have. Strava is, is great to relieve aches pains, headaches. It really helps with everything with that CBD and also gets you that coffee jolt. Like I like I've told you all, my girlfriend absolutely loves it. Solved her knee pain from running. So I highly highly recommend anyone to use this for for anything they have going on. And if you do, make sure you use the code DNVR20 to get 20% off and that's the code DNVR20 and Estrava says Drink deeply, live fully. Well, Mace, it's a Tuesday. Is it possible to live fully on a Tuesday? The Broncos are going to try. (laughs) 
because they're here at the UC Health Training Center. Of course, Tuesday used to be their day off. And Not now day that off. day off is Monday. <laughs> For players that are rookies, the change is no big thing because you don't, don't know any different. For players who've been around the NFL, the Monday day off, coming back on Tuesday and watching film and doing some lifting before practicing on Wednesday, it's a little bit of an adjustment. And when you're 0-4, changes like that <laughs> don't necessarily sit well. And there were some players who, frankly, were unhappy yep. with the change of schedule. But now you got to win under your belt. Everyone's feeling a little bit uh, chipper, feeling froggy, as my friend Ryan Edwards <laughs> like to say. So maybe everyone will adjust a little bit to the new schedule. So, But, yeah, drinking deeply and living deeply on Tuesday because they're here, they're back at work. And one of the things, speaking of changes, one of the things that helped the Broncos get their first win of the season was making a few changes, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Ah, Mace cracking open a, uh, a Breckenridge brew to start the morning. <laughs> well, I mean, people will see it on camera, and they'll be like, no, that's not, because we're pumping this out live right now. But nicely done. Theater of the mind for those listening on the podcast. But one of the things is, is they made changes. Vic Fangio made some changes on the defensive side of the ball, and yesterday we found out why would he change those changes that worked successfully, so they're not going to. Alexander Johnson is going to stay your starting inside linebacker, and Mike Purcell is going to stay inside at nose. Seems like a silly question, but do you agree? I think you have to. You played yeah. your best defensive game of the season by far against the Chargers. You held a Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler to under three yards per carry. You held the Chargers without a touchdown. You... Or an offensive touchdown, I should say. Of course, they have one on special teams. You stopped them twice in goal to go, held them off the scoreboard entirely. You look back at the Packers game, for example, and you had a couple of short fields that became Green Bay touchdowns, and you had a short field first and goal for the Chargers. felt very similar, and it led to Alexander Johnson dropping into coverage, reading Phillip Rivers well and getting the pick in the end zone. He could have had another pick later on. So you had takeaways. You didn't have sacks, but you had plays that were as effective as sacks. Draymond Jones forcing an intentional grounding that was effectively a three-point play because it turned a 34-yard field goal into a 48-yard field goal that Calvin McLaughlin missed. So the defense did so much well, you shouldn't change it. You made some tweaks. You got better results. Granted, you may see the opponents adjust further, and uh, you're concerned about the cornerback core right now with Devontae Bosby out, I'd say indefinitely, with the uh, with the, the neck injury. And um, Bryce Callahan still out with a foot injury. Devontae Harris... Getting a little, uh, getting a little feisty there on Twitter last night. By the way, I did. What happened? Oh, just talking about uh, fans, like basically kind of not being happy with the performance of players and uh, criticizing and all that. I, I thought this was going to start happening where just one win under their belt and uh, players were going to start saying, "See, we're we're we're, we're good. We're fine. You guys have been bashing us for four weeks." Like, well. Still are one and four. There's still ways to go. Yeah, this was Devontae Harris's uh, tweet, uh, by the way. He starts off by saying, Dear fans, if you were judged in your everyday life as critically as we're judged in our profession, how far short would you fall using the same standards you set on us? Okay. Wow. 
I get that point. We're getting deep. I mean, talk about living deeply or <laughs> being deep. But criticism from the public is part of the game right? when you're playing in the NFL, when you have the benefits of life in the NFL. The, the fact that there is so much interest from the public is why you can be a rookie at league minimum making a half million dollars a year in your first yep. year. Yep. What other professions coming out of college offer that? I, I haven't found one. Exactly. <laughs> so while I get what he's saying on a personal level, I think this is where sometimes some players have to step back and understand that it is, it is the public interest in their sport that makes these big salaries possible because if the public didn't care, you wouldn't have advertisers forking over money left and right. You wouldn't have TV networks signing contracts in the many billions of dollars to broadcast the NFL, the lifestyle that Devontae Harris and other players enjoy in terms of the salary that they make and the benefits that, it, that come through is because of the public interest in it. And yes, the public criticism that comes with it from time to time. And he could see a significant role increase on the field moving forward with the injury to Bosby, with Yadam still not being able to pick it up. And, and if he plays similar to Yadam than Bosby, then he is personally going to see a lot more uh, hate com- coming his way, specifically on social media. Now, hate—it's it, not—it shouldn't be that. But, uh, but that's just what's going to happen for, for the reasons you outlined, Mace. And so we know that these changes are going to, to stay the same moving forward, as they should. I mean, Alexander Johnson impressed me the most in his pass coverage. That was impressive. At 255 pounds, uh, the leading all-time tackler at Tennessee, you knew he was going to be able to stuff the run. You knew he was going to be good at that. And here's the thing is Josie Jewell is going to practice more this week than he did last week. Josie Jewell may be back for this game, but what's Josie Jewell's strength? It's in the run game. It's being a sound tackler. We saw that from Alexander Johnson, and we saw better pass coverage, at least for this week. Now, there still is a reason why it took him so long to play, and Vic Fangio admitted to that yesterday. We're going to see mistakes from Alexander Johnson. It's just how big are those mistakes? Yeah, and they didn't cause much damage on Sunday against the Chargers, but... What happens, and what you're talking about with mistakes, is, is something that, that can happen to linebackers is that getting caught out of position. Maybe you read a developing run play wrong, but you know what? That happens to veterans. You know, right. there were holding penalties on Leonard Fournette's 81-yard run back in week four. Mm-hmm. But Todd Davis also was caught out of position. He read the play incorrectly, went to the, went to the wrong gap, and Leonard Fournette went right by. Todd Davis could have... Uh, stuff that play so it happens to veterans as well does the missed assignments you hope that for Alexander Johnson that as he plays more the missed assignments drop the other thing is while he did make a good play in short area coverage on the ball against Philip Rivers there were also some examples in the preseason where he struggled in short to intermediate coverage so you imagine the Titans are going to look at that and see, okay, is there something we can exploit there? Was that interception a sign of what he is, or are, they, are, are there areas where they can kind of go at him and have the success that, for example, the Seahawks had when they went against him in coverage back in the preseason? So 
the the book isn't written on Alexander Johnson just yet. And we've seen a lot of players have good first starts, but then teams studied the film, dissected the weaknesses, and game planned accordingly. So you're encouraged by what Alexander Johnson did. Mike Purcell, he's been around the block a few times. Yep. He's just a better fit at nose tackle. Shelby Harris is a better fit working as that 3-5 tech defensive end. But Alexander Johnson is the intriguing one because you want to see how he builds off of the Charger game, but you also want to see how teams try to game plan him and exploit him. The other thing is with Alexander Johnson, I imagine we might see a lot of him against the Titans. I don't know if we'll see that much of him against the Chiefs if the Chiefs spread it out a little bit. They, they, if you're the Chiefs, you may look at Alexander Johnson and say, okay, how do we get him outside of the box? How do we put Tyreek Hill on him? <laughs> yeah. And it, Alexander Johnson's perfect fit for this week against the Titans. How do you combat a 6'2", 250-pound running back? Why not put a 6'2", 255-pound inside linebacker? Derrick Henry is the same size as Von Miller. Think about that for a second. That's insane. And that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually right now, I was looking up to see, is there a picture of Alexander Johnson when he was at Alabama tackling Derrick Henry? Mm-hmm. What was his success against him? I can't really, um, I don't really find anything on first glance. I guess I'll have to go a little bit deeper. But Derrick Henry, he has a very interesting place in the last couple of years of the National Football League because he is the only running back in the last two seasons <laughs> who has a 200-yard game and had it against somebody other than the Denver Broncos. <laughs> He'll All, get his opportunity this week. Yeah, and even with the success that the Broncos had against the Chargers last Sunday, you know Derrick Henry is excited about this game. And he's he's... Off to a decent start this year. He uh, has 388 yards, 98 carries, 4 yards a carry, and um, and 4 touchdowns so far this year. Only the one 100-yard game against Atlanta back in Week 4. He's not exactly tearing up the world, but the bottom line is power backs have caused the Broncos problems, and it's a huge test for the changes they made on the de- defensive side in the core of that front seven with Mike Purcell at nose tackle, Alexander Johnson at linebacker, and Shelby Harris at defensive end. Here's a chance for them to prove that what happened against Leonard Fournette was more of a personnel thing, that it was somebody, that it was guys being in the wrong spot, that it was other things, that it wasn't the fundamental, the fundamental core of this defense, that it wasn't... To, the way that Vic Fangio is game planning. They, they get a chance to prove that it was all Josie Jewell and Adam Gotsis's fault. <laughs> but here, oh. here's the thing, Mace. Would you rather have Leonard Fournette or Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler? If I'm a team? Yeah. If, I'm a, if I'm an offensive game planner? Yep. I'd rather have Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler because I can do more things with them. Exactly, exactly. But Leonard Fournette was the one that that created a way bigger issue against the Broncos, and Derrick Henry fits that mold of a Leonard Fournette more than he does an Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon type. And here's probably the bad news for the Broncos is when the Chargers fell behind, what did they do? They completely abandoned the run. They Mm -hmm. they went straight to the passing game. I know they used Austin Eckler in... in, uh, uh, the, the passing game a lot, and that was kind of an extension of the running game, but they abandoned the running game, which 
was stupid. It was very stupid because what happened the week before? The Jaguars got down, and they didn't go and make um, Gardner Minshew throw 48 times like the Chargers did for Phillip Rivers. They said, okay, we're down 17-3. to We still have plenty of time left. We're going to run the ball. We're going to do our game plan. And look how it worked out. It, it worked to perfection with the comeback. They ran the ball. I think that the Titans won't abandon the run. If they get down 14 points, if they get down 10 early, I think they're going to stick with Derrick Henry. And from just looking at the past two weeks, that's the formula to come back on the Broncos. It doesn't make sense. You're not supposed to come back in that way. But if there's three quarters left in the game, you can do that, and I don't think the Titans will completely abandon the running game. Okay, here's another thing. If the Broncos are ahead, they've got to keep the offense in fifth gear. Yeah. Stop downshifting. Yep. Stop suffering from TSS, tight sphincter syndrome. It's a very (laughs) common affliction of coaches whose teams are out in front. Yep. You start playing not to lose, as the cliche goes, and that's what happened a little bit with the Broncos. I'm curious to see what Rich Gangarello says at his press conference on Thursday because I think that's going to be a point that is made in the line of questioning from the media. What is happening why are you scaling back a little bit? Now, granted, the Chargers, to their credit, on defense, played much better in the second, third, and fourth quarters. But still, some of it is what you're doing or what you're not doing. I think the Broncos are still a little too predictable at times. They were unpredictable on that first drive. I mean, I love the first down three tight end formation, and going with the pass to Hireman down the seam Mm -hmm. to open the game. I love that because you see three tight end, and you're thinking, okay, they're going to try to power you up, and they end up exploiting the Chargers. That first drive was creative, imaginative, dynamic. Everything was about catching the defense flat-footed. And then after that, it just got so stale so quick. So I want to see... That same creativity that goes into the 15-play script that goes all the way back to Bill Walsh back in the 1980s. I want to see the creativity and imagination of the 15-play script working its way into the rest of the game. And And that's when we'll know this offense really has something viable because if we continue to see strong starts, sputtering middles and ends, then we'll know that... uh, Something there's some kind of disconnect there. And you know how many negative plays there were on that first drive when they were doing the creative things, when they were catching the defense off? There was zero. None. And not an incomplete pass, not a, a run that went for negative yards, not even a run that went for zero yards. It was all positive plays. And I think on that second drive, there was only one negative play, and I think it was a push. I think it was an incomplete pass, if that even. So just keep doing what you're doing. But, Mace, I think I think you've got your question to Rich Scangarello all dialed up for Thursday, and I can't wait to hear it. I may have to. Uh, Rich, are you suffering from TSS? <laughs> I don't know if I can put it, if I'll put it that way. I mean, that would probably be the first time the word sphincter was ever uttered at an offensive coordinator's press conference. I'll probably phrase it in a way that isn't so lively, (laughs) if that's a way of putting it. Maybe something, a phrasing that is a little more conservative, that doesn't cause people listening to the press conference to spit out whatever they're drinking as they're driving home to tighten their sphincters <laughs> yes <laughs> i do i do like to make people uncomfortable though sometimes 
And Mace, before we go any further, we got we to gotta look back at the weekend that happened because there was a lot of good news for the Broncos, specifically with the Chiefs game. And let's review our picks. So the Thursday night game, we got to go all the way back then. And I don't, I don't want to bring you to this place, Mace, but we must. The Rams in Seattle. Seattle was a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and boy, did Vegas get this right. You, you sent us a text right after, what was it, Seattle missed? It was after the missed two-point conversion, and I yep. said I may have <laughs> said some things. Hopefully my daughter didn't hear them. If you that are uh, mad, <laughs> if you're just listening to the pod, you're not watching our live feed right now. You you got to go find this. We're at about the 20 minute mark. Mace is in pure <laughs> pure agony. I saw that because at that point, the way the game is flowing, there's not going to be a tie. There's not going to be an overtime. So if you had picked, yep, the Seahawks, and given the points. It was over. Yep. It was game over. <laughs> Forget about the rest of the the rest of the game, what the Rams could do when they got the ball back. It was game over. Yep. You you needed a pick six or yes. something when they were driving. <laughs> so the Rams won that game with the spread. Now in the AFC, some weird weird thing. I mean, th- th- this every single underdog won. Didn't just cover the spread. But one. So you had the Bears going in to play the Raiders in London. You got Khalil Mack going up against John Gruden. And John Gruden was the one dancing at the end of the game. Who says pass rushers are hard to find? <laughs> also, I think the Bears, believe it or not, they're saying we miss Mitchell Trubisky. Yep. There was not a dynamic element in that offense early in the game. And, of course, they, they came back, took the lead. Let it up late. The Bears just the Bears look like that team that's just going to have that really frustrating eight and eight, nine seven type year. Right. Where you know they have better talent than that, but it just doesn't all come together. Yep. It, and in the NFC North, eight and eight or nine seven might be last place. Yeah, it very well could be. And Mace, bad news again. You and Ryan both picked the Bears to cover the five points. Your boy picked the Raiders at least to stay within five. You're feeling good. <laughs> and the next one, we can all feel good about this. We all picked the Chargers to win the game. Sorry about that. But we all picked the Broncos to stay within six and a half. And the funny thing about you and Ryan is, boy, that, that ha- extra half point was key. You both half. picked them to win by six. Broncos stayed within, or obviously stayed within six and a half. Half points matter. Yes. Yes, have the sometimes the hooks. I wouldn't necessarily call this a hook, but boy, was it important. So we all got the dub there. And then, of course, the night game, I certainly did not see any way the Colts were going to straight up win this game. Uh, probably a little naive thinking that the Chiefs were just going to blow them out. But actually not, though, just because the Chiefs are so used to doing that. We all picked the Chiefs to win by 11. And what was the final score, 16-13? to 19-13. 19-13. Woo! Vegas only 17 points off on that one. <laughs> well, at least we all went down together on that. But, man, th- three and one for you? Yep. You're feeling good? I'm feeling good. You're in I, front now, aren't you? I, I, I am in front. I have a winning record of 10 and 12. Ryan coming in second with 9 and 13. And Mace, there's still hope, 7 and 15. I'm not good at picking this spread. <laughs> I've never done spread picks before, so this is a little rough for me. It does take it does take a little while getting used to it. And as Mace enjoys not a Breckenridge brewery, let me tell you about Breckenridge Brewery because it is it it 
it's on the earlier side. Maybe a Tuesday. It's a little too early for a Breckenridge brew. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to be at a wedding this weekend. I will be enjoying a Breckenridge brew at this time on Saturday, 1035. You can catch me sipping on a, a Colorado Core, um, just a, a fantastic beer. Um, my girlfriend was telling me about how she was at a bridal shower this weekend, and they made her a drink of apple cider and champagne. And I said, why not just have a Colorado core? I mean, that, that's what it is, except a little bit of beer, and, and you cut down on the sugar. It's, that is the, that's the drink they wanted. They just didn't know it existed. So I got to introduce them to the Colorado core. Uh, and, of course, Strawberry Skies, you can absolutely never go wrong. I love how much you guys have just been dying over the strawberry skies. We heard the story yesterday of a girlfriend uh, bringing, uh, you know, mini six packs of strawberry skies to visit her boyfriend. Uh, and that, that's, that's what we love. We love you. You love them. They love us. So make sure this weekend you're enjoying some Breckenridge Brews. And heck, don't wait for the weekend. It's a Tuesday. It's pretty much the weekend. Go pick some up today. We're getting into the vanilla porter season with the snow coming here on Thursday. That'll be the vanilla porter season. But to me, Colorado course. Sit, stick into the fall beer. You're a Nuggets fan. It's Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> so why not have a vanilla porter while watching MPJ? <laughs> I absolutely love it. Long so, awaited. <laughs> so make sure you check out the Michael Vanilla Porter Jr. from Breckenridge Brewery. And we will get to your questions right on the other side of this break. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here. And I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins best sports bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Welcome back into the DNVR Broncos podcast. Zach and Mace rolling with you today. And let's hear from the fine folks of our wonderful family. Mace, who do we let's got go. first? We'll start with Carpaccio. Chris, sup fam? Flying from LA to Denver for the game against KC. We'll be there from Wednesday to Saturday. Staying downtown, but going for a few days to Estes Park. Best wings in Denver. Man, you know what? I'm not really sure that I'm, I'm willing to give any wings that sort of seal of, of approval just yet. I mean, there are a couple of places I like. Um, the best wings I'd found actually uh, were at a place that is no longer in existence. Oh, they weren't that good then. The wings were good. <laughs> they got bought out, mm. and uh, they, the restaurant kind of changed its point of emphasis and went from being kind of a homey place to one where they had the the waitresses that were all they you know basically tried to um, <laughs> accentuate their phys their uh, physiques <laughs> yeah. and it became less about and I, I just want a place where I can have a good meal and <laughs> hang out I don't need that so you know, um, I will say this um, 
there's a pizza restaurant called Pocci's. It's a chain. It's based out of San Francisco. Has a few locations in Denver, and they've actually got a really good dry rub mm. on their wings. And so it's a pizza place, but I enjoy their wings. We get them all the time at our house. But as far as like a, a local place with wings, I'm I, I can't help you there right now. I'm sorry, man. A deep dish with some good wings—that's pretty good. Uh, check out Sports Column, Ryan. I I've had their wings, very good wings, but Ryan raves. Okay, I'll about, try them about their spiciest sauce. I. I mean, mediums about as spicy as I can get. So definitely check them out. Um, as we as we tell you guys every time we do question of the week, it is it's also a very fun bar. So welcome to Denver. All right, next one coming in from Nick Gilbert ninety three says Apple Orchard, Apple Orchard, Apple Patch. Shake my head. <laughs> and True Champ Fan twenty four says I was yelling the same thing, and I just this was this was so much fun to have this this total mental block because I had I had my uncle Dave reaching out to me. I had so many people on Twitter. I had people uh, coming at me on Instagram telling me, and my favorite was you, Mace. You 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 saying you were just yelling at the car. Yeah, uh, man. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, when I'm gone, the whole house burns to the ground. Can't get Apple Orchard out. Anyway, Broncos since seven. I know after the win against the Chargers, this may seem a little irrelevant, but I just had to ask, is it a bad look on Elway that every coach he interviewed for the job this year was sitting at 0-4? I don't want to take away from the win, but I can't get too excited about it either. With excellent defensive play, we still end up with only a seven-point win and had two very close stops that could have been a score leaving us 0-5. Does Elway struggle picking coaches like he struggles picking QBs? Hopefully 0-4 was just a bump in the road. Okay. I think it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point, but Zach Taylor and Brian Flores, they're both 0-4. Flores is in Miami. They're not trying to win. No. That's not on him. No. Zach Taylor is in Cincinnati. Little closer in some games, but they haven't had AJ Green. They've seen a gradual decline in talent from their peak in 2015 when they were right there fighting with the Broncos for the number one seed in the postseason. And the Bengals appear to be bottoming out. A little more concerned there. I think the Bengals could have won a game by now. Yeah. So maybe. That's something you consider, but I don't think that Brian Flores being 0-4 in any way reflects on John Elway. I don't think Zach Taylor being 0-4 really, or 0-5, or did the Bengals, yeah, oh, Bengals are 0-5 now, right? Yeah. 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 The Bengals being winless, I don't think it reflects on John Elway. I think it's more a reflection of the franchises that that they lead than the coaches themselves. Mace, why were these teams looking to hire new head coaches? Because they sucked. (laughs) Because they were bad. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone, if I could have told you that any of these teams with with available coaches, the ones we're talking about, Bengals, Miami, if they could get any coach in the league outside Bill Belichick, would they be a winner right now? Would they have a winning record? I'm not sure they'd have a winning record with Bill Belichick. I don't think the, my, the <laughs> okay. Dolphins would. There, there we go. If you gave that yeah. roster to Bill Belichick, I think they're still winless. And and th- there's there's the point right there is these were terrible teams. And remember, the 49ers, they hired Kyle Shanahan. I know a lot of people justifiably love Kyle Shanahan. He started 0-9. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and and that's kind of where I where I point to is look at the the people John maybe didn't interview. He didn't interview Sean McVay. If you if you want to get mad at John for that coaching, don't look at Kyle Shanahan. And maybe you can now now that they're what four and zero. But look at the Sean McVay. Why didn't he interview him? Um, you you can look at Matt Lafleur. He's having great success right now, but. He's got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, did he take over as bad of a situation as the Bengals or Miami? Clearly not. Yeah. Clearly not. And there are a few Hall of Famers that have bad starts, too. Joe Gibbs was 0-5 in his first head coaching job. So was Tony Dungy. Did John make a bad hire with Vance? It, it's it's clear. You can't really defend that hire. Did he make a good hire in John Fox? Personally, I think so. John Fox took them from a very bad place and got them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Not champions. And then John understood it was time to move on to get that coach that would take him to the next level. Gary Kubiak, obviously a tremendous success. Yeah. John Elway's two for three. Exactly. And with the other one, Vic Fangio, the jury being out. Exactly. Coaching hire. So exactly. there are justifiable criticisms of Elway. I don't think this is one of them. I completely agree. Next one coming in from Bumpy Buffalo. He says, all right, one, shout out to Virginia Beach Bronco for being with me on the Allen train. Two, still saying out, still saying Play Allen. He can easily succeed as well as Flacco when you're putting up almost 200 rushing yards. But every time Mace hears my comment, he just gets gruff and says no. So how about a compromise? Every third quarter Allen plays. Not like the production can go down in third quarters. The, the funny you make thing, a good point there. <laughs> the funny thing about this is when I'm reading the part about Allen, I, I hear Mace just take a huge sigh. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. When, when we talked about the Allen train, I thought they were going back to last year talking about how they were right about Josh Allen. <laughs> or Kyle Allen in Carolina. Right, right. There's a few other Allens I mean, out there. He's, he'd be the third best Allen at quarterback in <laughs> the NFL, and Josh Allen is not doing great. The Bills are doing well primarily because of their defense, yeah. not because of Josh Allen. Look, and the thing, my thing with Brandon Allen is watching him in preseason the last few years. I just don't see it with him. I don't. Yeah, it's 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 not there. Three, Mr. B. Four, I also think the Chargers were the only other team with less urgency than the Broncos. Yeah, Ryan and I are watching the, the end of that game, and we were pulling our hair out for Chargers fans. Yeah, the game management on that last drive when they were down 20-10, to 10, it's like, okay, did you, only, you think you only need one score here? What's going on? It was lackadaisical. It was kind of—you know what? It was basically— What the Chargers did at the end of that game was reflective of their fan base and their place in the Los Angeles community. Right. Los Angeles does not care about the Chargers, not one iota. You go to the airport, you see Dodgers stuff, you see Angels stuff, Lakers stuff, a little bit of Clippers stuff, a lot of Rams stuff. You have to go way in the back of the airport souvenir (laughs) shop to find any Chargers gear. The Chargers might as well be playing in San Diego for all that L.A. cares. And it seemed like the Chargers on that last drive were going about their business with the same casual indifference (laughs) as Los Angeles has to that team. So play reflects community attitude. You've sometimes heard how attitude reflects leadership. The Chargers play reflected their community's attitude toward it, which is a big, fat yawn. So Phillip Rivers in the Chargers offense as they're marching down the field said, you guys don't care about us? Fine. We won't care about you. We won't care about that clock. The specks of blue (laughs) in the stands 
yeah. had gone. They went streaming for the exits at 20 to 10 when McManus kicked that field goal, put the Broncos back up by two scores. And so, yeah, he could look around the stands and see nothing but orange jerseys. You're on the road. Okay, why do I care? The home fans, <laughs> what few we have left us. <laughs> the specks of blue. I like it. Five, your takes on a couple matchups. Chris Harris Jr. versus Davis. Walker versus Broncos, line- Broncos linebackers. A.J. Johnson or stick Jackson on him. I know focus is going to be on the running game with Henry, but I'm more interested in these. Well, what's interesting is that there was some success for – Alexander Johnson going against Austin Eckler as far as minimizing the damage. Of course, he had that great play in uh, third and goal right before the end of the first half. But also give some credit to Isaac Yadam. If you watch pre-snap, you can see Yadam basically jet moving Alexander Johnson wide and putting him in position to where he could attack Eckler on the edge and arrive when the ball did. So It's a really good observation. Yeah, well, I think everyone's being really hard on Isaac Yadam. But in that goal-to-go situation he does that before third and goal and on fourth and goal he doesn't get the tackle but he pursues Austin Eckler wide allowing Kareem Jackson to make the play on him before he gets to the goal line so that's why I got to kind of I think people should ease up on the uh, on the vitriol toward Isaac Yadam because he did some really good things there in goal to go but yeah it's a good question and um Looking at Alexander Johnson in particular, I'm looking at how his uh, coverage snaps uh, balanced. Now, the Chargers didn't do much with their tight ends last week, of course, with Hunter Henry injured, and uh, Virgil Green wasn't that active uh, in the game. I think it's a possibility, but I still think you'll probably see Todd Davis or safety on Delaney Walker more than Alexander Johnson. I think with uh, Johnson, you're probably uh, looking at him on the occasions that they put Deion Lewis into the flat, that's going to be more of his coverage responsibility than Delaney Walker. Six, Apple Patch is so much better than Apple Orchard. And when an apple explodes on your head, it freaking hurts. Sounds like they're talking from experience. Uh. Seven, for John Elway. Eight, my bold predictions. Titans win. Chiefs win in overtime. Brandon McManus sets the record with a 64-yarder. Colts, loss, not even close. Browns, win. Chris Harris Jr. destroys OBJ, and Callahan is shutting down Jarvis Landry. Vikes, loss. Bills, sorry, RK, but win here against the Bills. And he says he's not going to go through November schedule. So, I mean, what is that? One Only going through November, so that basically has the Broncos going, uh, let's see, they would get to 3-3, three and 3-4 three, three and four lost the Colts, uh, or three and five lost the Colts, four and five beat the Browns, four and six lose to the Vikings. What's interesting is he's he on the Vikings, he says Bumpy Buffalo says, screw early games in different time zones. The Bills game is going to be at one o'clock in the Eastern time zone. It's the exact same thing. In yes. fact, even more travel. Oh, so yeah. I hope you're wrong, Bumpy Buffalo, because you know what this means? Five and six. (laughs) And it means Joe Flacco all year. It means you don't find out about Drew Locke, which I think we agree is a worst case scenario. Count Flacula. (laughs) Shout out to TCO Bronco, TCU Bronco. It's pronounced Fort Huachuca, gents. I grew up in Sierra Vista right down the road. Little known fact, the McDonald's on Fry Boulevard lays claim to the first drive through in the nation. Wow. Soldiers who weren't allowed to enter in uniform back in the day were provided burgers by a staff that literally punched a hole in the wall to ensure these servicemen <laughs> got their after-work <laughs> vittles. Wow. 
That's pretty cool. Unfortunately, it's been remodeled now, but it still exists on the same site. Cheers, brother, The Count. Uh, We love your little insights, The Count. Next one coming in from Iceman. Speaking of the little insights, hey, boys, Mace, always miss you on the gut reaction pods. I love Mace's take on the insignificance of a single win against the worthless superchargers. Watching Phyllis cry always makes me miss JC. Never forget. McIdiot gave him away for Kyle frickin' Orton. I did pick the Broncos to beat LA Sunday, but I am still a Marcus believer. So I see one in five unless the new front seven can shut down Henry the way they did Gordon. Go Broncos, go DNVR. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you uh, enjoying my take on it, how my view on the arc of the season hasn't changed because of that win. <laughs> Again, in part because the Chargers were lackadaisical. Yep. Cleavers 83. Hey, guys, hopping on Timmy's bandwagon. There's still 19 teams in our Madden leagues available and still about nine days, if I'm correct, until our regular season beginnings hop on DNVR fam. RK, your bills are still out there, just saying. <laughs> Email Timmy from Sweden at gmail.com to get in on that. Next one coming in from Skookum24. It's kind of like Snookums except Skookums. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong, but has Emmanuel Sanders had two holding penalties since his comment about Bulls' penalties while Bulls has had zero? Should we expect Bulls to say publicly that he wishes Sanders knew what he was doing wrong? LOL. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this is just stoking division in the locker room. We don't need any more of that. <laughs> well, I think we're supposed to talk to Emmanuel today. Mace, I think I think you got that question. If I'm there, I might be in the <laughs> locker room. Maybe I'll go talk to Garrett Bowles. Buck and Broncos. Hey, guys, it's been a while since I've posted, but I heard my hometown called out. I was born and raised in Orange County, California, but my dad was from Colorado, so I grew up a Broncos fan. About a year ago, I got out of the military and moved to the Denver area to ultimately become a police officer in the city of Boulder. I love the Broncos and grew up in Bolts territory, so this past win was big for me. Unfortunately, I'm also a big hockey fan and stick with the Anaheim Ducks. Go Broncos, go Ducks. Not really a lot of hate for the ducks around no, here I, though it, no how could there does, be does anyone outside of los angeles kings fans hate the ducks no how could you it's it's like everyone it's part of everyone's childhood the mighty ducks <laughs> so let's do another uh, city yeah. or place shout out this week do you want me to do it zach it's, or do it's you all want... you okay well the broncos are playing the tennessee titans this week mm. so gonna do a shout out to knoxville Tennessee, right there uh, up in the mountains, home of the University of Tennessee, of course, where Peyton Manning matriculated back in the 1990s. Also, the alma mater of Alexander Johnson Mm. and Al Wilson, Mm. the last Bronco linebacker with two interceptions in a game. Alexander Johnson came so very close to that. By the way, Al Wilson should be in the ring of fame. I'll keep saying that. So if you're in Knoxville, Tennessee, home of the 1982 World's Fair, give us a shout out. Yes, I love that, May. So many connections. I feel like I could name any city in the world, and you could have you could you could make three connections to the Broncos. Any city in the world, <laughs> probably. Okay, try it for Vladivostok, Russia. All right, Vladivostok, Russia. Did I get that right? Yes. Name the connections. I don't know. That's <laughs> the point. I don't think I can't think of any connections. So, what do you know about Vladivostok, Russia? It's a very cold city uh-huh. in the Russian Far East. Um, I believe it was a uh, it was big in their um, in their naval in their navy at one oh, point. Could you or imagine that... a cold place being in the navy like that? Well, but the port didn't freeze, like the water didn't freeze, so they could get their subs and stuff out. 
I'm sure it was a Murmansk up in the nor in northern Russia was also uh, was also able to keep open in the winter time as well. Whew. That sounds Murmansk brutal. was re- was referenced in um Hunt for it October. Mm. So I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking of that series. All right, guys, I gotta tell you about the shirts we are dropping over at thednvr.com. You guys gotta check these out, especially with Nugget season. Av season starting. Uh, they are some sweet ones. Of course, we have the Run Fill Run shirt available in kid sizes, let me remind you. So go check those out. And also make sure you're subscribing. It's it's only three cents a day. You're not even flipping a nickel to Ryan Maserite. You're flipping three pennies and just cut that other one in the thirds. That's what you're giving us each day that you roll with us on the pod and subscribing. Uh, it's that, that, that's all it is. That's all we ask for you guys. And if you need some money in order to subscribe, make sure you check out Symbio Tax, and they're your new alternative for addressing your tax needs. Symbio Tax and Administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own and our locals. And George over at Symbio Tax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard Avs fan. So we know George is going to want to get in on those new DNVR shirts that we're dropping. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed go to a qualified professional to understand your tax requirements don't end up at one of those retail tax chains call symbio tax today for a free consultation that's 720-366-4470 or visit them at symbiotax.com that's s-y-m-b-i-o tax.com make sure you look for george over there all right mace who do we got next who do we have next? We've got got a chub for Vaughn. <laughs> hey guys, I think I'll be in the minority when I say this, but I believe six and ten, seven and nine record is ideal for this team. Ooh. Granted, it would be amazing if four of those wins came from Drew Locke, but hear me out. I think if we can win that amount of games with a young core, and especially if we can get big wins against greater teams, that stigma of not knowing how to win disappears. I believe it is important for a young team to get wins because confidence in a player or playing group can be one of the greatest weapons. I know the draft pick won't be as sexy but as it would be if we were to finish with four wins, but at 6-10, and 7-9, and nine, we can either trade down the board with that pick, we would receive and accumulate draft stock, or we could address the disaster that is a tackle position for us currently. Interested to hear your thoughts. Cheers. It sounded like a crazy take at first, but it's actually a, a good take because with the caveat of a lot of those wins coming with Drew Locke. And that's the thing. Drew Locke has to play, and you have to learn something about him. And then 6-10, and 7-9, whether it's with Locke playing well or Locke struggling to the point where you know you have to go in another direction long-term, yeah. either way, you need to learn about Drew Locke and what his capability is before you go into the 2020 and 2021 draft classes of quarterbacks. And if you go 6 and 10 and 7 and, or 7 and 9 and Locke doesn't play at all, the season is a total failure. Complete and utter failure and I don't trust this team because of what makes John Elway great of always wanting to win and compete. I don't trust him in this scenario. If they are semi-close to 500, I don't think we see Drew Locke and that's why I think, you know, 
if the Broncos don't go on a three-game win streak and get back, I guess it'd be a four-game win streak and get back to 500, that's why it's in the best interest for the Broncos to probably not float around 500 until Drew Lockett's in. Once Drew Lockett's in, win the rest of the games. If you finish the season 8-8 eight and eight, and you go 7-1 and one with Drew Locke, that is going to be awesome. If you go 6-10, and 10, but you go 5-3 and three with Drew Locke, oh, t- talk about the excitement moving forward. Okay, let's take it this way. Give me an over-under on the game that Drew Locke gets in as the starting quarterback. <sighs> the game. I'll go. I've got one. It's, it's a clear moment in my mind do they play the chargers right after the bills yes that's where i that's realistically that's where i think he's in that's the game that i've got pegged because if this season slides from competitive to the broncos being out of the race it seems like there's a pretty decent shot it would happen in that two-game road swing out of the bye at Minnesota, at Buffalo, both early games, both against teams that expect to be in the postseason. That's why I could see the Broncos going potentially 2-2 two and two in the next four, which would have them sitting at 3-6 and six at the bye. They wouldn't be giving up the ship then, but then if they get to 3-8, and eight, at that point you probably have a better chance of seeing Drew Locke. What if they split those games 4-7? and seven? I think they'll stick with Joe Flacco. No. <laughs> oh, man. I was actually going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but you're probably right. I think they go with Joe Flacco until they have the eighth loss. Eighth loss. Okay, so it'd be the game right after. Yes. What sam- really quick, what sample size do you need to see from Drew? Four games. Four games, and you can evaluate whether you need to go in a different direction. Yeah, quarter of a season. That's right. plenty. Oh, it's you again. Count Flacula. <laughs> I have some misgivings about the willingness of our management to take Locke off IR, but more so to start him at all. If we win the next few games, I am loath to admit it, but it feels as though toasting the Titans and fragmentalizing that Kansas City ball club would be the worst thing to ever happen to us. I think Locktober would be subverted. Our leaky boat would continue its stagnant, doldrum-like dormancy in this brackish slough, this enervated morass of mediocrity. Also, I'm not rooting for us to lose. Rather, I'm nervous about what may transpire if we win a few extra games. I wish the two instances did not have a sign, quad, non-relationship, but I'm beginning to hypothesize that they might in that regard, I wonder what are the most rock and a hard places, place, places you gentle giants have ever been in your respective, respective lives. Love the count. Wow. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again, Mace. I'm happy you read that one. That was good. <laughs> the most rock and a hard place moment of my life. Just ever. Hmm. Why? Well, I, I know mine. I was, uh, I was committed to law school. And about three weeks before, I got an offer to work of a very low-level job with the Cleveland Browns. And everyone thought I was going to law school. I thought I was going to law school. But there was a reason that I was sending my resume out to every NFL team. That's because I I wanted to see if there was an opportunity. And boy, when I got that three weeks away from starting, that was a a pretty difficult place to be. And obviously, I did not choose law school. You ever think about going to law school in the future? (sighs) If this goes right, no. <laughs> Good for you. Man, I'm trying to think of a rock and a hard place moment in my life. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that. we're getting that's deep tough. right here. I can talk football all day, but... Well, probably... Um, okay, I can... 
get it really clearly here. Um, spring of 2010, I'd been with the Panthers for a couple of years, but I promised my then my wife, I married her in 2009, I promised her that if she couldn't find a gig that fit what she wanted to do, she's an anesthesiologist she's out in North Carolina, I'd come back to Denver. I didn't really want to leave that job. Mm. And frankly, I liked living in North Carolina. I liked living in Charlotte. No offense to Denver, but I got roots back in yeah. North Carolina. It was, you know, getting there was kind of a goal of mine. But I also remembered the promise I'd made to my wife about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I came back here. <laughs> Smart no man. regrets. It, it worked man. out fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking to all of you fine people right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at that moment, it was, it was kind of tough. Yeah, I bet. Is your wife from here? No, she's from Wisconsin. And okay. the interesting thing is that she actually wanted it to work out. She wanted to be in North Carolina, too. So it wasn't the easiest thing at the time for either of us. And now you're stuck with us for the benefit yes. of the DNVR community. That's all right. It Next. worked out. And because of that, I missed a 2-14 and 14 uh, nuclear disaster uh, of a season that Carolina had back in 2010 as well. So, Welcome. <laughs> Next one coming in from Love Thunder Down Under. He says, I've been pondering something for a while now, and I thought I'd be ready to put it to pen. I understand the thought process around going 8-8 eight and eight isn't much worse than 2-14, and 14, but I've got a few issues with it. The idea that everything or nothing is rational, too, and to an extent, but in previous pod, you summarize one counter perspective well. You'd rather have a Super Bowl every 20 years and be competitive the other 19 than win every 10 years but have nine losing seasons. That has everything to do with hope and enjoyment. Here are the other two points to consider. One, culture. You can't effectively build a culture of winning if there's an if and buts. Players and coaches every week need to feverishly pursue victory. GMs can have a longer perspective on that, but if you can't counter to the setting of culture of winning each week, there's a good reason for that, and it's point two, randomness. The flavor of a... The flavor of a season and even a franchise is disproportionately shaped by the unplanned and unpredictable, and the same goes for draft and free agency quality. You can manage the risk, i.e. don't sign players with injury history or draft good football players, not good bodies, but you can't get even really close to eliminating it. Success is always viewed retrospectively by nature, and we all enjoy building narratives around what happens. The reality is, though, plans rarely unfold as they were meant to. Why does that matter? You never know when you're going to go 0-16 or 16-0. You never know whether you're going to be the first team to go 0-5 or 12-4 on a 12-game win streak. And sure, there's a higher probability a top-10 pick is better than a mid-rounder, but I'd suggest the difference in probability and outcome isn't as meaningful as we pretend when you factor in all the variables, injury risk, etc. The Patriots are the major beneficiaries of randomness as as I view it, but they are also great managers of it. Find me one person who said, I've got a plan. We'll take Tom Brady in the sixth. He will be a world-changing talent. But how do the Patriots generally draft? Trade back and accumulate picks. More options for success. They also exit guys a year early, not a year late, and spend big on short-term contracts and free agency as needed. So what's the only ra- so what's the only rationale? The only rational thing to do? They play plan and play to win every week while we sit back, have a drink, maintain hope and go along for the ride. That doesn't mean you don't start Drew if you're 2 and 7, but it might mean you don't fire sales starters 3 weeks out from the trade deadline. You never know what's coming and that is all part of the fun. Okay, I got to actually say something here because 
You mentioned the Patriots getting rid of players a year too early. Isn't selling starters when you are clearly out of contention and getting more value for them than you would if they simply depart in free agency, isn't that the sort of thing the Patriots would do yep. to make sure you maximize value and move on from a player too soon rather than too late? Yeah, absolutely. If you know they're not in your plans. Right. The Patriots just haven't had to have those right. decisions because they've been in it. I think if the Patriots had a, a nuclear meltdown of a season where they were 2-6, and six, I think you'd see them going sell, sell, sell. Yep. Yep, probably more so than anyone ever does. Yes. So that's one thing that I have to say in regard to that. The other thing is this. The, the most certain way to perennial contention is an elite quarterback. It's why Green Bay, even though clearly they were tuning out Mike McCarthy in recent years, had a chance going into every year. It's why Matt LaFleur is doing well so far because they're sitting on Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And then they had Brett Favre before him. So Green Bay got lucky. They got Aaron Rodgers, I think, at pick 23. Mm-hmm. And they were able to sit him for a while. If Drew Locke can be the guy, great. But if he's not the guy, then you need to do everything you can to find that potentially elite quarterback. And all probabilities indicate that the best way to do that is to have a high draft pick. Exactly. And love Thunder Down Under. I I totally understand where you're coming from. But my only thing is we're, we're not saying trade Chris, Emmanuel, and Vaughn this week. Don't go a day further without trading them. We're no. just we're we're projecting where this team is at 0-4, at one and four, and where it's likely going to be come trade deadline. Yeah, it, right now it's it could go either way. If they beat the Titans and lose to the Chiefs and lose to the Colts, yep. Which I think if you're going by the Vegas odds is the most likely outcome. Yep. You're two and six. Right. That means so. you're on pace for four and twelve. That yep. means you're selling. From Aussie, hey guys. Watching this MNF game has really made me appreciate the job Vic Fangio has done so far as a rookie coach. Sure, he hasn't been perfect and has shown his inexperience as a headman at times, but he has never looked like Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> Watching the pounding that the Browns are taking against the 49ers and Kitchens looks like he doesn't even know what sport he's watching and looks completely lost out there. Maybe it's just my orange-tinted glasses, but how would you grade Vic Fangio through five games? <sighs> I mean the team is the team is one in four, but I do think it's kind of like what we talked about last week, Mace. I do think that this is the right coaching staff right now. I do think that the guys believe in him, and I also do think it's going to take some time. And when I when I say time, I don't mean weeks. I mean a couple years for Vic to truly have his players in place, specifically on the defense. Well, you want him to get his players at the same time. I think part of coaching is making sure you adapt things to the players you have. And I think there have been some struggles at that at times. I think there have been some square pegs in the round holes. Yeah. Well, and, offense and, and defense. I think Noah Fant, anytime you're asking him to be in pass pro against an elite edge rusher, that's something that you should never, ever do. Don't try to make him into something he's not. He's not a guy who can hold up on the edge against a Khalil Mack. So because of that, while I see some promising things, and I think 
there are some good long-term indicators. I have to give this coaching staff a C. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because because the positives and negatives kind of count, kind of balance each other out. I don't yeah. think you can really give more than that when the team is one and four. Mace, this next one's a fun one for you coming in from Missouri Bronco. Sorry to jump into the winning week podcast, but I need fellow Broncos fans help. I'm moving to Gastonia, North Carolina next week for work, which is a suburb of Charlotte. Any fans in the area? Any tips on places to go? Things to do? All that. Thanks, friends. Well, if you're in Gastonia, my first tip is drive to Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Did I say that out loud? (laughs) Gastonia is different from Charlotte, and it's one of the interesting things about uh, being in the South is that... uh, you get about 30, 30 miles out, 30, 20, 30 miles outside of a city that things change really fast. Mm. Um, Charlotte's changing really fast as well because you know, some of the places I would have recommended you go to, um, restaurant-wise, aren't there. And the soul of the city is dying a little bit. Uh, you can probably go on Google and find some pieces lamenting the death of the great fat burrito. That's P-H-A-T <laughs> burrito, <laughs> which was... Uh, between uh, downtown and South End and in Charlotte and was a place that was frequented by a lot of Panther people for a while, for example. I remember actually uh, uh, running into to players when I just went over there for lunch in the off season, and uh, it was a hole in the wall, but it was fantastic. <laughs> and Charlotte's losing some of those, some of those spots. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably not the person to ask about that right now because – I've actually been I've been gone nine years, and I actually haven't visited the city in the last couple of years. Usually, I try to get back every other year or so. Um, and it's definitely the character is definitely changing a little bit. So it's not it's not good, not bad. It just simply is. Well, DNVR fam, if you're in Gastonia or Charlotte, make sure you reach out to Missouri Bronco and let them know where to go. All right, Mace, ready for some rapid fire questions? Ten questions, ten minutes. Right, let's let's, let's, let's see if we can do it. Next one coming in from Corey J. Says, sup guys, I'll try to keep this short. One, got my Mile High Mafia and Phillips Homegrown shirt finally. Holy smokes, the quality of these shirts are insane. Easily the comfiest shirts I've ever bought. And not being a fanboy either. Listeners, go buy some of these shirts. Hey, that's Corey J. That's not me. Two, I finally pulled the trigger and bought tickets for the Broncos and Raiders game in Denver on December 29th. I really splurged and got four in section 106, row 29. I've never been to a Broncos home game before, so I had to go all in. Please let there be a DNVR final game tailgate. I know it's long, long ways away, but let's get it rolling, LOL. Plus, I'd love to finally meet all of y'all and the DNVR family and finally enjoy a strawberry sky. It sounds like there'll be some more tailgates coming up it the rest does. of the year with... Um, with our friend, with our friends, the sons, over, the of, sons Mile of Mile High. High, and I think we'll find out where that is. I mean, it, it was in Lot N last time, so uh, hopefully, keep that same spot. It was a lot of fun. We'll, Can't wait. We'll definitely keep you updated. Three reserved for Pat. Four. I'll be in Denver after until after New Year's and want to see what the city has to offer. What are things and places I must encounter and explore? Food, food places, sightseeing, bars, etc. Thanks for the awesome pods. The coverage is simply unmatched. Go Broncos. Ooh. Um. Good question. It's a place I always recommend. Go to My Brother's Bar, yeah. and there's a few 
names similar to that. So make sure you go to My Brother's Bar. It's downtown. Uh, get what, what I think is the best burger in town. And then right next door is, I think, the biggest REI in the world. It's in the former train station. Mm-hmm. It is huge. It is beautiful. It's awesome. And then you're also just in a cool little part of downtown. I would also say uh, make sure that... Uh you're using public transportation try to stay somewhere near the light rail if you can even if you're not staying downtown if you're staying down dtc so you can safely ride in and ride around and uh, enjoy a lot of the craft brews you know i'd say mm-hmm. uh, do a little uh, craft brewery tour yeah of of denver and uh and the area surrounding that make sure you get to a lot of breweries if that's your sort of thing uh, that's not to be missed if the weather is nice uh, you can get up to rocky mountain national park yep for a yep. little bit and enjoy the mountains, enjoy the snow. Yep. So, anyway, Dan Burke, watching the Niners destroy the Browns has me thinking. It's kind of interesting seeing some of the plays we run, but with better execution. <laughs> Fans end around goes for negative five yards when Shanahan has Kittle do it. It was a 15-yard gain. Got to remember, though, this is the third year the 49ers are in that offense, so maybe Rich can get there if the team and the fan base allows them to work through their growing pains. Good point. Yep. Also, shout out to Joe Woods. He's completely transformed that secondary. They couldn't get a pick to save their lives last year. Now Richard Sherman looks revitalized, and RK's guy, Akella Witherspoon, was looking like a stud before he got injured. Always rooting for our former coaches and players to do well unless they're Josh McDaniels, so I'm happy for Joe. Side note, I was one of the few people who didn't buy into the Browns hype this offseason. I feel completely validated by that beatdown. Don't look now, but the AFC is wide open. Okay. (laughs) The AFC North is wide open. I don't think the AFC is wide open as long as you got the Patriots sitting there at the top. Exactly. And probably the top two spots are probably pretty mm-hmm. locked up. That's uh, it's, it's a really good point. Coaching mm-hmm. staffs are going to take typically take a while to have success. All right, next one coming in from Run Phil Run. He says, hey, guys, with all this talk about adjustments to the defense and confusion as to why they, why they didn't happen earlier, I can't help but wonder – if Vic had been up in the box throughout the season with a better vantage point to help him see the field, would these adjustments have happened earlier? Perhaps midway through the Jacksonville game? What do you guys think Denver's record would be if Vic had been coaching from the box all season? Hashtag Vic in a box. Two and three. Mm. They win one more game. Wow. Then massive organizational mistake. If it costs you a win. Yes. Boy. It's, it's But he's adjusting and... I guess if you want him on the sideline long-term, he has to figure out how to do it. And certainly, Sunday he did fine on the sideline. And you might as well do it this year and get all Mm -hmm. of the rookie mistakes out. And if you're doing that, you got to play Drew Locke. Chilango Bronco. Wow, 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 guys. Hold your horses. I I get that it was great to remember what a win feels like. But now we are talking about winning three straight games. We won against a team that has plenty of injuries and a QB that does strange things in divisional games. It is a whole different thing than playing the Chiefs. Back, we were talking about... Heck, we were talking more of the Chiefs game than the next opponent. Let me remind you that we first need to play the Titans and it's going to be a tough game. Also, how much different is the running game when, look, when Jana was on the field? He is for sure a floater. <laughs> much love. He really quick, Trelongo Bronco. It, you're talking to the wrong person, but Mason and I are, we're are the not, realists. Yeah, we, we're not jumping on a three-game win streak. The optimist <laughs> is uh, on assignment today. <laughs> talking to you, Ryan. Yes. <laughs> uh jano is huge love jano <laughs> if he had 22 of them be yeah, all 22. right this, you, you'd be rushing for 275 yards per game yeah 
But <laughs> not passing for many yards, though. Exactly. Next one coming in from The Real Link says, Hey, guys, I've got a few things to ask you. One, is it wrong of me to not trust the lack of Bulls holds? He's had stretches of good play before, but somehow it's almost as if I don't like it. He actually had a five-game stretch last year without penalties. Mm, so, And then he had four penalties in the final two games, including... I think a couple of fall, including one false start. So when we ask for consistency from Garrett, we're not saying we're not saying he's the future after three games. No, I, it's a good sign, and he actually on the Pro Football Focus rankings was fourth in pass protection yeah. over the last three games. Yeah. Again, it's big picture. So I know everyone's saying, "Oh, but he gave up the strip sack." Well, part of it on that strip sack, couple of things. Number one, it's one play. He did a reasonably good job on all the other plays. Number two, Nwosu makes a heck of a play to reach out and get the ball from Joe Flacco. Number three, Joe Flacco isn't without culpability there. He could have stepped a little, up a little bit in the pocket and allowed Bowles to uh, have a better shot at guiding Nwosu around and behind good, the pocket. Good point. Real Links continues and says, two, I realize that our offense is incomplete and therefore isn't scoring in the second half, but really, what are we lacking? Is it just the guy? Is it more? Lacking the guy at quarterback. Yep. I mean, Joe Flacco is fine, serviceable, average starter. Yep. You're la- the guy is the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes and the guy, type of quarterback, and the Broncos don't have that. That guy is how you're consistent week in and week out, year in and year out, and decade and decade out. Mm-hmm. Three for Mr. B. Four, I feel like our defense would have taken even another step if we had some kind of headhunting safety out there. Do you think the Broncos would target someone like that in the draft? And who would that person be? Hmm. Is that not Kareem Jackson? I mean, he's not a headhunter in that way, but he is a he's a guy that flies all over the field, goes 100%, and he delivers the wood. Right now, he looks like he can be that guy, Yeah, that presence. Even though he doesn't, again, you, you see him, you see his build, it's slight, and you're like, okay. Um, he doesn't profile like one. That's no, sure. no, 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 no. Um, might be interesting to look at the safety market in free agency. Um, you'll actually uh, see someone with the Titans, Kevin Byard, hmm. who's going to be a free agent next year if the Titans don't re-sign him. Keep your eye on him as somebody who might fit uh, uh, what the Broncos are looking for from that position. Mace, we have someone coming in, giving you some luck. Good good luck for the, to the Braves. Next one from Wahoo Bronco. He says, guys, great win this past weekend. Always sweet when it's against Rivers. I do have a concern over the past couple weeks. Is it me or do the Broncos only game plan for the first quarter? Get the lead and then get the, and then let the defense take over. Am I alone in thinking this is not a good formula? Quarters two and four are anemic at best. Mace, hope to see the Braves and Nats in the NLCS. Go Nats. Oh, I'm sure man. you'd be okay with the. Little I'd be fine. I, I know at this point now, I don't care who they're who they would play. I just want the Braves to win yep. on Wednesday against the Cardinals, <laughs> and we'll worry about the rest of it later if it happens. That being said, the Braves haven't won a game seven in a seven game series or a game five in a best of five series since uh, 1996. That kind of that game deciding do or die moment. So. This, I hope, this I hope for the best, but I expect change. the I expect the worst. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Wahoo Wah Bronco. So I presume you're from Virginia, connected to the University of Virginia, perhaps. So maybe that's why you want to see Braves Nats because there are a lot of Nats, Nats fans 
of course, in the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia. Brent G., hey, boys, this victory week sure feels good after the meteoric rise of the GOAT, Alexander Johnson, this week. Yes, I'm overreacting to one great week. It got me thinking how guys like him and Philip Lindsay go undrafted. I get why a little more Philip Lindsay for, because of his size for sure, but someone mentioned on the pod that is the all-time leader in tackles at Tennessee, and it blows my mind that people don't expect him to carry that to the next level. All-time leader. In the SEC. It seems like drafting has become all projection, no production. Thoughts? Hashtag beat Tennessee. It had nothing to do with how good of a player he was. Right. He was he was arrested and on trial for rape and acquitted. Yep. That's why he went undrafted. And was it a three-year process? Yes. So, so he, he's, he's 27 years old right. right now. If he doesn't have that, he's drafted probably second day. Right. Yeah, that it, it had nothing to do with how good he was. Exactly, so. exactly. Next one coming in from Bronco Matt. says, hey, guys, just a quick question. Why are so many media members and podcasts harping on Fangio for his lack of praise of players? They have won one game and had repeated weeks of poor execution. Players like Vaughn need to step up, and there is a reason Mac is rated higher than Vaughn. Also, who are media to question Fangio? He basically has 40 years of coaching, coaching players. He is a little more qualified to judge players than more of these dra- – these drama-fueled journalists. Now, granted, he is a new head coach, but when it comes to players, he is seasoned as they come. Have a wonderful Tuesday, you guys. Thanks. You too, Matt. Thank you. Um, well, they question the coaches because it's it kind of goes along with the job, basically. Yep. Um, and, and I think the public has questions as well from time to time. And one thing we've learned uh, in covering this game over time is that uh, even the best coaches or personnel people miss. Right. Bill Belichick misses from time to time. Yep. It's, so. it's hard to believe, but but he does. And, and here's the thing. I I think Fangio's been right on with the way he's been handling his players. I don't mind it at all. They they are one in four. So I agree with you, Bronco, Matt. Yeah. And one from Litvaksky. Yep. I think I got that right. <laughs> hey, I have not commented since the beginning of the season, so a few thoughts and questions. First off, if you have not had Strawberry Sky, you are missing out. Was in Colorado last weekend and was lucky enough to go and buy about four six-packs of the stuff and have to say it, damn good beer. boy. Next is about linebacker. Joe Jones was supposed to come in and be that athletic middle guy until he injured his tricep. I believe it was. What kind of impact can he make when he comes back healthy? Probably on special teams, I'd say, Litvaksky. I think they may try to work him in some sub packages, but uh, more of a special teams guy. That's how they see him at this point. One positive team thing I want to say is that McGovern has done a great job overall with the snaps and not giving us anything to talk about on it. Do you guys think he should be getting re-signed right away and brought into the lifeboat for the future? When do you think Elway will start re-signing guys? Here's the thing about McGovern. He was great with snaps until this last game. Then there, then there were a few snaps that were off. They weren't awful, but a little off. With McGovern, I, I don't know if you're necessarily jumping to re-sign him right now. You, you got to, as an organization, figure out what you're doing at guard. Are you keeping Ron Leary? You're probably moving on from him with that number. Then is McGovern going to be your guard? Are you going to get a center? It's not just one piece on the offensive line that you need to figure out. You need to figure out what you're doing with guard and center moving forward. And I think you got to see just where the team is because if this team doesn't get turned around, then why are you re-signing guys? Why are you keeping together the core of a bad team? So. Also made a trip to the green solution as well, and I have to say that the code for 20% off was nice. Even the workers were surprised about it. Basically canceled out the tax. Saved me about $40. So just <laughs> saved me a subscription to BSM, basically in the process. Hashtag winning. Thanks That's... for all you do, OGMVP, Litvexky. 
Chi-chi. Chi-chi. <laughs> okay. Aaron, man, that's what we're talking about, about these codes. So make sure you hit those codes. And Mace, final one here coming in from Sir James Radio. He says, not much to say today other than as I type this, I am sitting at a local veterans hospital surrounded by waddling ducks. And the only thing my mind keeps coming back to is how thankful I am that Joe Flacco has legs. Speaking of legs, what do you guys think it would take for Jason Elam to get into the Hall of Fame? Buy a ticket. He's not getting in the Hall of Fame. Mm, yeah. The standard is exceptionally high for kickers. Jason Elam had a great career, but he's uh, not sniffing the Hall of Fame. Wait, what would you say? Buy a ticket? Yes. I don't know if I've heard of that phrase, expression. Well, we have to buy a ticket to get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, like, to go visit it, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, another thing that Mace says going over my head. Not a surprise, but Mace... I enjoyed rolling with you today. It was fun. Thanks for tuning in on the live feed. Thanks for tuning in on the podcast. And we, of course, will be back with you tomorrow. But before we let you go, got to let you know about the Denver Rubber Company. And you guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. And we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And... It may not be the rubber that you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. And let me tell you, they are a local, reliable partner. They are awesome. They had us in their in their facility earlier this week. So nice, awesome facility. The things they do there are so cool. So, guys, please make sure to check them out. They support us, and let's support them. And since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO-certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost-effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. So call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. All right, guys, have a fantastic Tuesday. We can't wait to talk to you tomorrow.